And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, we've been talking about libations. Mm-hmm. And this makes me think about Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, it's Ooh. basically, you know, alcohol, weed. Mm-hmm. It's just another Romulan ale. Dragon Vice. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it's, been making, it's been making me think about myself as a human being, the kind of character I have, and who I want to be going forward. Hmm. So, Aaron, um, what do you think makes a good recurring character on oh, a television man. show? A good <laughs> recurring character. I think, you know, a, a name is nice. If you if you get a little fame attached to it, that's good. Someone that can come in and be like a little splash of pow. That's a good recurring yeah. character. Strike one. No? No? Damn. Hmm. Okay. A good recurring character. Let's think on this. This is episode 17 of Star Trek Stories. Um, I am, as always, your illustrious host, Jaren Hatch. Joined here by my lovely co-host, Aaron Cole. Hello, Aaron. Hello, Jaren. Hello, people. How are we doing? <laughs> um, yes, we are watching Hide and Q today. This is going to be one of our first recurring character episodes, I think, ever. I don't think we've really gotten into... Hey, here's who's shown up again in a real way yet on our all the episodes we watched. I don't know. Spock showed up more than twice, I'm pretty sure. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, think, I, think, I think Spock. Fame is a good precursor for a recurring character. Not required. No, but I was thinking about me reoccurring on this show. Oh, yeah. And I was like, You're like well, I don't have any hard of that. that <laughs> strike one for me. Uh, I see. <laughs> Also, kind of for Brian Darcy James, he, he didn't really have a mm. a lot of pedigree before this show. Or Colmini. 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 Jake, are you our Chief O'Brien? Oh, man. I would be honored. To be Chief O'Brien? Fuck. <laughs> fuck <laughs> <man>. <laughs> hey, you oh, want to no. be Chief O'Brien? Yeah. yeah. I'll be Chief O'Brien. <laughs> sure. Do you? <laughs> he goes through some of the heaviest shit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He's so he's so lovable. Who doesn't love Chief oh, O'Brien? He's the best. Um, Who doesn't? Yeah. So we're we are making good progress in our look at um, the growing pains of the next generation. Um, and last time we watched, where no one has gone before, with our good friend Scott Tuckfield. And oh boy, I think Aaron, if if ever we got into it, oh man. <laughs> We went deep. We went too deep. Oh, no, my God. Deep. Just deep enough. We, <laughs> we swam in the deep end for a while. It was nice. We went deep into that rabbit hole of philosophy and what is and thoughts and what the universe. And <laughs> TNG has a tendency to do that. Oh, yeah. It's very thought-provoking. Yeah. And it's moral compass and ethics and whatnot. Yeah. Philosophy. Yeah. I, you know, I figured out something recently. I have nothing against Will Wheaton at all just i don't like wesley crusher wesley crusher that's it i think he gets better as he goes but yeah. especially early it's like oh no it's not good i actually enjoy watching the the ready room for the most part he's got good guests and mm. uh, he's an entertaining host mm. for the most part <laughs> sometimes he's he's really mugging that energy like what's up everybody i love what i'm doing <laughs> Welcome to the show. so crusher i'm getting paid <laughs> but yeah he's oh, not bad it's not bad. It's just Crusher that I'm like, <laughs> Why Shut are up, you Wesley. Here? <laughs> um, my God. Um, fun episode. Um, you know, I think we're going to, in a weird way, we're going to get into some different kind of higher being cosmic stuff again in this episode. Because once again, our good friend Q is back. Mm-hmm. And as we kind of said before, um, Talk, we're going to be looking at all these Q episodes on Star Trek The Next Generation and our the friend who's going to come do that for all these episodes is our good friend Jake Barnes yes um, hello Jake hello 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 glad to be here glad to talk about Q yeah um, yeah when I came up when I was like I want to assign certain people to the um, some of the plot lines that come up 
and just like and I, so I've been having everyone in mind for certain things like who might be fun to come talk about and I was like I, I, Jake's gotta come talk about Q um, just because I think you're, you're still a relatively recent Star Trek fan mm-hmm. but you really love especially Next Generation but you just love you just you know love it so much um, and then you know, all three of us but Jake, I feel like we've always had lots of conversations about, I mean, we talk about music, we talk about art and all these kind of things, but then we always kind of just talk about like, what is this all, mm-hmm. you know, what's the real power of all this stuff? You know, the fun thing about Q is that he kind of embodies this kind of idea of the test, the struggle, the thing you got to <laughs> prove yourself against. And Q kind of is this weird embodiment of that meaning. And I feel like in a lot of the conversations you and I have, um, and we've, we've, we've gone into a lot of that stuff together over the years. Yeah, definitely. Q is, like you said, the embodiment of that power. And we've also had um, discussions on the concept of being omnipotent just in itself, what that would entail, um, the, what that would be to visualize and conceptualize. Is it even possible to for us mere mortals to even fully comprehend an omnipotent being. Uh, I would submit not. I mean, you can yeah. think about it. No, I don't think our How brains are even made for that. Uh, yeah, right. Like, Valiant uh, effort by TNG. Yeah. But, yeah, that, that's something that seems hardly reachable, at least this point in time. Mm-mm. We can barely get, like, our world's energy together. Mm-mm. Let alone <laughs> barely. Yeah, barely. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and you know, they bring up this idea of the Q continuum. It's never just one of them. There is this kind of, I don't know, illusion to the Q is part of this larger. It's somehow not just Q, because there is this kind of association with the continuum, and that, and they are all Q. We haven't gotten into a lot of that stuff yet, but there is this kind of like it's not just Q. No. It's not. Yeah, he he talks about the continuum, and he often refers to himself as we. We the Q, not I the Q. So that's and he's already uh, gotten in trouble with the Q in that last episode that we watched. Mm-hmm. Big trouble. Broke his own rules, and they were like, "Nope, can't do that." And they zapped him away. Um, yeah, we're gonna get into some of that this episode. Yeah, last time we watched, when last time you were here, we watched mm-hmm. the TNG premiere Encounter at Farpoint, the very first episode. Yes, and Q shows up. Um, it puts him on trial for the crimes of humanity and then it becomes this whole test thing of like, are you worthy? Have you moved beyond yes. um, what you are? And then like they demonstrate, hey, we, humanity is worth fighting for. We're great. We've proved you wrong. He's like, all right, I'm going to leave, but I'm definitely going to come back. <laughs> like this isn't over yet. I'm glad like, they're revisiting him because it seems like that episode, uh, the story almost kind of took a backseat. It was on the back burner. Um, and what was in our face was the stark contrast from the original series. It, it, was, it was a vehicle to give us all of the, the things we needed to know that were different about this. So I'm glad we're revisiting Q because now this can be in the front seat and we can experience Q on a deeper level and try and understand what Q is, mm-hmm. why Q is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess on that same note, like, I guess that's what's kind of fun about, like we kind of were getting to earlier, what makes a good recurring character. Um, Q's our first really big one, really prominent recurring character. It's like, and this is an idea worth bringing up multiple times. Um, It'll be interesting to see how this develops over time, like in its own little pocket. Um, Cause TNG is very episodic, but there is this larger Q storyline, but the episodes themselves are very episodic. So it'll be interesting to see how they tell us one big story, but each story is its own self-contained mm-hmm. story. But there's a larger, if you've seen all of TNG, you know, spoilers there's a larger arc to all this Q stuff mm-hmm. that carries over the whole show. No fucking point. And arguably beyond. 
I'm not going to finish it now. <laughs> Forget it. Spoilers. Thank you. <laughs> Show that's been on since the 80s. Um, yeah, it's kind of a fun idea to, I guess, bring back. It'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see as we go over all these episodes over the next several weeks mm-hmm. how this idea plays out. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm excited because yeah, um, Encounter at Far Point has some moments that are <laughs> semi enjoyable. Oh yeah, some great Picard <laughs> moments in there. Yeah, early on. Yeah. All right, if you're going to judge us, judge us on our failings yeah. of the past or whatever. Well, that's enough. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> take those take those nuggets that were watchable and let's make an episode out of those. Let's explore that humanity. Mm, for sure. Um, well, should we get into this episode? Let's get into it. Um, see if it gives, it gives us any insights as to what makes a good recurring character and maybe what makes Q a good recurring character. Q. Q. <laughs> Strike two. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So this is um, the first appearance of Q from the James Bond franchise in a very interesting oh. crossover. Oh, nice. Um, wow. <laughs> Don't touch that, Picard. Put that down. Don't touch that, 007. <laughs> <laughs> oh, different Q. Different Q. Oh, different Q. Same very letter. different. Q. <laughs> huh. Different Q. Different Q. Um, so yes, this is um, the episode "Hiding Q." This aired. November 23rd, 1987. This is the 11th episode produced for the first season. So we're about the middle in terms of when they were making it. This, of course, is the second episode to feature Q, who goes on to make many appearances in Next Generation. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see yeah, how, how they do it in the show. Um, this is your invitation to watch. Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 1, Episode 10. And we'll be back after we watch Hide and Q. these games why these games well the play's the thing and i'm surprised you have to ask when your human shakespeare explained it all so well so he did but don't depend too much on any one single it's a pity you don't know the content of your own library hear this picard and reflect all the galaxy is a stage world not galaxy all the world's a stage oh you know that one well if he were living now he would have said galaxy How about this? Uh, Life is but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot, full of sound and fury, signifying nothing. I see. So how we respond to a game tells you more about us than our real life, this tale told by an idiot. Interesting cue. Oh, thank you very much. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Perhaps maybe a little uh, Hamlet? Oh, no, I know Hamlet. And what he might say with irony, I say with conviction. What a piece of work is man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form, in moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. Surely you don't see your species like that, do you? I see us one day becoming that, Q. Is it that which concerns you?
Well, I guess speaking of Jingle All the Way, <laughs> the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic. Oh, yeah. We might as well talk about Star Trek. We watch it every Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I always kind of forget about it. That's a good one to add to the list. It's a good one. Annual watch. Well, it's it's a one. <laughs> it is a Christmas movie mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. could watch. <laughs> Starring Arnold. Um, all right, my God. Hide and Q. We'll do our initial thoughts. Jake, initial thoughts on Hide and Q. Um, <laughs> fun. Uh, it was fun uh, to sit here and watch that with the both of you. Um, wow. How do I put this into a... <laughs> How do I summarize this? I know. <laughs> I had a really good time watching it. It's not the best episode of Star Trek or television, but it... It had its moments that had me really enjoying what I was watching. Even right now, I'm watching Q being portrayed as a bubble with three scorpions coming out, or cobras coming out of the top of it. And then he just pops up with this bad hair dye. <laughs> and <laughs> he, does, he nails the high galactic dork of the week haircut. Yeah. Oh, my God, absolutely. The Admiral, Admiral haircut. <laughs> Um, yeah, f- fun, but not the best episode of television ever. No, <laughs> not quite. Um, Aaron, hide and cue. Hide and cue. Oh man, we had to go back to Shakespeare at some point. <laughs> oh, We're pulling from Shakespeare. We're going back to the roots. Roots. The roots, yeah. <clears throat> God, my God, how much? How much? This became just basically just like let's just do Shakespeare. We're out of ideas. Let's just, of. let's just do Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Literal Shakespeare lines. That the Patrick Stewart just, guy. I'm sure they were throwing that around a lot. The themes just feel so Shakespearean. <laughs> and they just went for it. You oh. know, we, we, we've talked on the show a bit about there is a Shakespearean quality to it. And then they seem to go a little... Mm-hmm. A little... <laughs> Mm-hmm. literal with it with the with all the quote drops do you think they pander at times because patrick stewart is such a great shakespearean actor that they're like we gotta throw him some shakespeare just so we can put on camera <laughs> patrick stewart doing some shakespeare yes that's what got him in the role is being yeah. a shakespearean actor mm-hmm. at some point this is not the f- f- last time they do shakespeare stuff with Picard or Patrick Stewart. He sneaks in a, yeah. a few more. Q2, quite the Shakespearean actor. Yes. Yeah, that scene was interesting. Like, in a vacuum, it's a really interesting... That was probably the best scene in the whole mm-hmm. episode, I would say. That scene when they're in Picard's ready room. And, like, him and Q are... It's silly because of how much Shakespeare they're dropping. But, like, it's a really... It, it, it's, it's played so well by both of them. Mm-hmm. They are both at the top of their game. I would definitely say VIPs of the episode once again come down to Patrick Stewart and John Delancey for mm-hmm. doing the best with the material. Oh, man. So as we're watching it, um, as I've been listening to the podcast, because I've been listening to the podcast a bunch, mm-hmm. well, thank um, you. <laughs> I want to quickly summarize, because there have been times where I've watched or listened to the podcast episode but not been able to watch the episode mm-hmm. but i still want to kind of get some idea so we're in another q episode q shows up he's ready to take the enterprise hostage he gives Riker many powers and uh sees uh what he will do with it in essence mm-hmm. that's kind of the episode in mm-hmm. a nutshell for those that didn't watch it mm. looking out for you you know what i was you know um yeah so you get the story of q great uh Q granting Riker all these powers. Um, the, the thing that kind of went through my head in this episode as I was watching it was this kind of ideal of like Rumpelstiltskin. Mm. In this episode, this is kind of how Q feels to me. It's not exact. It's not like a one-to-one parallel. Just kind of like, but this idea of this like little trickster that shows up in your life. And in Rumpelstiltskin's case, he's like, I could weave all this gold and blah, 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 you know, blah, 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 you know, like, and then there's like the whole, like, in that case, like, you know, what's my name, you know, and 
Rumpelstiltskin. You'll never get it, but like the whole the whole spell is if you can say the creature, if you can like name the creature, then you have the power over it, and it and it falls. And I, I feel like you kind of see that, it, particularly in this episode, with how how they characterize Q. He does. He feels very much like a trickster mm-hmm. in this episode, even compared to the last one. It was a little different in the last one. Yeah, different vibes. Um, there is a sense of desperation I get from Q in this one. Mm-hmm. He shows up uh, much more purposeful than when we see him in encounter at Farpoint. It seems almost like a chance encounter in the first one. And this, is, uh, this one here is extremely deliberate. Mm-hmm. And it, it feels like things in his world are on the line mm-hmm. uh, in regards to this challenge that he's putting forth to the humans. Mm-hmm. So the stakes are higher for him right off the bat. I agree. Yeah. Um, he does a really good job of playing that, but like trying to hide that mm-hmm. as if he's just, when he's, when he first shows up, he just feels so in control of the situation. And then by the end, you see just like how mm-hmm. when Picard calls him out for being a, this is where like the naming comes in. You're a flim flam man, <laughs> you know, and he flim flam man jerks the hood down it's like oh you've exposed him for what he really is just he's just fucking with him and it's almost like they oh we had this wager and you said if this happened you'd leave and i won yeah you know it's like "Ah, you know and the elf creature disappears into the nether (laughs) i mean like record calls it too like early on he uh when he first gets his powers he's like what do you need q and he calls his bluff right then Mm-hmm. You persist anyway. Yeah, it all it's all very clear to Riker. But then he gets uh uh taken, tempted by the powers, I guess. Yeah. He reacts very negatively, Q reacts very negatively to um in the scene where they're uh, where Picard and Q are exchanging Shakespeare at each other, there's this they kind of allude to the fact that humans may eventually evolve to the point of being gods one day and uh, you see Q take that very personally, and he even tosses the book back at Picard in defiance of that notion. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of is your... Uh, that's Q's whole reasoning for being there, is in that moment of him tossing the book back in defiance. Um, looking at this from a script perspective, the script's not very good in this episode. There's They're still getting the characters together. There was a moment... Like um, uh, Commander Riker asks Data when they first get on this planet, I forget exactly the exchange, but he essentially asks Data where we are. And Data says, well, obviously, we're on an M-class planet. And it's like Data would not respond with, obviously. He would just say, M-class planet, da-da-da, and just, like, list the facts. He wouldn't have this, like, (laughs) kind of snark before it or or anything that wasn't just the facts. Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're still finding their footing in that sense. Worf is very surface level. He's all over the oh place God. too. Yeah. His blocking, like in the first part when he hops <laughs> over the bridge, his little newsy flip. Like, yeah. Oh, I get you. <laughs> Props to Michael Dorn. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I will say going into like how they haven't quite found the character's footing yet. Um, they all mostly get something to do in this, even if it still just kind of feels like just a stock version of the characters. They still all feel very similar to when we watched the first episode, Jake. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like very little has been like revealed about these characters that makes me feel any differently yeah. than how they were in that first one. Um, Particularly Worf, I think. Yeah, and here's the thing. Like, as I, one of the things I also thought about when I watched this, I'm like, uh, you know, here is one of the 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 blunders in the first season one of the big blunders Worf was a last second addition to the show and he, it makes sense why you would put a character like that on there but he was not initially um, a big part of the show um and then he ends up kind of stealing a lot of what should be yar stuff be, like taking the phaser and responding to the threats at hand. Like if Yara's the security officer and she's there, it's like, why they haven't if, talk about one character. They have done nothing with is Yar. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like everyone else at least has still some stock version of themselves, but Yard just feels like a blip on the radar as far as the mm-hmm. show is concerned. And even when like there are situations where like here, okay, here we go. Q's got a game for him. Yar, here we go. Instantly zapped away, and Worf would takes all of her stuff, and it's like, yeah. And it's just like this kind of ah. There's this parallel universe where Worf never showed up, and Yar stayed with the show. And it's hard to say like which one would be the better outcome. We can't see the Yar universe, but we all love Worf now, of course. But it's also kind of a shame. It's like because you added Worf, who goes on to become a great character, you basically instantly sabotage Yar right from the beginning. And she doesn't get to. That was one thing I noticed watching this. I'm like, damn, Yar. She has that one scene with Picard, and it's her just like, I can't do anything. It's like, yeah, you fucking can't do anything. I'm so sorry. That's that's so awful, fucking writers. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, and they, several times in the first season too, they give her moments where Picard turns around and is like, are you serious? Like, yeah, she's she's makes very questionable decisions as a character. Not great. Yeah. Not not a lot of fun. It's and too bad. Questionable decisions as a performer, in some points. Huh. Um, I uh, we mentioned during watching it. Sometimes she has the tendency to act over the people around her. She'll chime in at uh, a very different volume. Uh, very different stakes than everyone else around her. Uh, things matter at a very different level. Almost like we said earlier, well, you people don't know that. We said earlier that it was like that she rehearsed in a different room. Uh, these were her line readings. She had like it mapped out exactly how she was going to say it. And then when the time came for her to say her line, she said it exactly how she practiced and rehearsed. Instead of kind of taking that practice and using it to listen, to react to the situation as it's playing out and uh, have chemistry with the other actors. Acting is reacting. Oh, fuck. Wow. Mind blown. I just feel like you don't get to see a lot of, um, she doesn't have a lot of script to back her up. That's one issue is like, and some, it's hard sometimes to like, it's like you're going to have one moment in this whole episode. Otherwise, you've been given nothing to do. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to do my one line. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it almost feels like. I've been it's like, I got the- my one line. <laughs> That's true. Like, Q's had more to do. In all the episodes we've watched so far, Q's had more, way more to do than Yars had to do. Seriously. And he's just been in two episodes. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not really... she. <laughs> she's taking the scenes that she has and really doing all she can with them to... I mean, I'm looking at it right here. She's in this scene. The the main scene they give her, they ask of her to come to tears. Mm-hmm. That's not an easy <laughs> feat to accomplish, especially when you don't really have much of an arc to get there. Yeah. They're just like, hey, this next scene's kind of a non sequitur, but we need you to start bawling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we need you to bring it to a 10, even though you've done nothing all episode. Yeah. Oh, no, it doesn't make sense. God. Um, she says it like three times. I know it doesn't make any sense. No, <laughs> but it so, does. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Denise Crosby. Like, I right, bless you. You're a wonderful person. Yeah. But man, they did not give you a lot to do. Oh, what a shame. It is a shame. Um, how, how do we feel about like on the flip side? Who they do focus on in this episode is Riker. But as I'm watching this episode, it's like, it's interesting. Like in the first episode we had a much of it, like it was very much focused on Picard and Q and that's where the conflict was. And now in this, we get like, so you're coming after Riker, huh? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> to defeat you the same way I did. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> how does the Q Riker dynamic work? I guess that's one noticeable difference between, cause otherwise it feels very similar. Like, they're in the middle of a mission. Q shows up with the big force field, interrupts their mission, time stops. He creates a little scenario for them. They have to solve the test, and then they go back into their regular mission. It's like the same kind of setup with Encounter at Four Point. Like it just kind of happens again on a smaller scale, except it's Riker this time. Um, how does that dynamic work in this? I think uh, Riker isn't quite as headstrong 
as Picard. Um, he knows his duties and what he's supposed to do, you know, according to the book. But he doesn't have the experience that Picard has. And you can see throughout the episode, temptation really gets to him. And frankly, I'm not sure that he completes the task that is put upon him in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, he's given the powers of the Q, and he is asked, you know, um, to use or not use those. And kind of the point is for him to not. And he ends up using them anyway. To <laughs> the people reject the wishes that he grants, mm-hmm. which is what makes the whole thing fall apart. Mm-hmm. But Riker himself goes through with granting the wishes. Mm. So, I don't know. In my mind, he didn't necessarily pass the test. Mm. It is also funny, too, that shaven Riker has a very stoic, mature attitude. And unshaven Riker has the more, like, stoic, mature look, but the very immature, kiddish, happy-go-lucky attitude. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a weird dichotomy there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I I thought, uh, really him giving Riker the powers and the whole test, it was really just another attempt to get at Picard mm. more than anything a roundabout way. Maybe he was told by the Q, okay, this time go back and test the first officer. But he, he manipulated the situation to try to get at Picard again, because now for Q, this Q specifically it's personal. It's getting a little bit personal with this starship captain that he's found mm. this unusual species. That was my take. And I've seen this episode now, like, I swear to the heavens, like, three times recently. Mm. I didn't pick that up, but this time I caught that vapor. I agree. That was something that I was kind of looking at also. And, like, as you're talking about it, it's like, yeah, is this actually just, like, just another test for Picard? Like, Mm. and, like, oh, I want to corrupt your first officer and, like, make it. It's like, it's all about you, Riker, but it's like but really looking at how Picard's responding to this. And it's really Picard's like influence and control over the situation that really like breaks the spell. In the end, he walks away. It's like, because he has complete faith in all of his officers not to give in. And because he just has that like steady control and like he projects this calming reassurance. It's like, we're good. And like, that that's what ultimately defeats <coughs> Q and Riker is that like Picard has faith in his crew and that's what comes out on top is that now even Riker with all the power of the Q couldn't couldn't surmount the crew of the Enterprise coming against him um yeah so I wonder if like yeah because I never I've always looked at this as a Riker episode mm-hmm. in the times I've seen it but now as I'm watching I'm like I wonder if this is a Picard episode after all everything about it like the French army too going back to Picard's ancestry and things like that like he's jabbing yeah. at him trying to get him a reaction. That's a very specific thing he's using. It's like, and he says like, I I pulled this from your captain's dreary little mind or whatever, Mm -hmm. like him wearing the uniform of France and everything. It's like, Oh yeah, that's all for, that's all Picard. Mm -hmm. But he puts Riker in the situation, you know, interesting. But then the Riker just completely fails miserably. (laughs) (laughs) Just blowing up the enterprise or doing something wrong. He instantly gives in, but I guess it raises the question. It's like, could anyone resist that? Would that even be possible? No, no way. Yeah. I, I don't think so. Especially when he sees, uh, that child die on the planet, it'd be very difficult to, you know, not use your powers to save that person's life in that moment. Like here's all the cheat codes into the universe. Yeah. Go for it. Have fun. But when he does use his powers a little bit to save the members of the bridge crew, oh man, he is just in love with himself. He's got... <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's on the front page of like some romance novel or something. <laughs> just... Yes. <laughs> his shirt splayed open yeah, yeah. and just, I saved the bridge. His the chin planets. turned toward the sky. <laughs> uh, yeah, Feeling just himself. Fails instantly. Um, I did learn a little interesting tidbit about this episode is that it's not really about the episode and this, this goes into like the extended canon with like the books and everything. Uh, but I guess there's a, there's a novel out there, next generation novel 
Q&A where they reference this episode. And I guess in this this unofficial ex, uh, expansion of the canon, um, it's established in this book that the Continuum originally wanted Q to give the powers to Picard. But Q himself said, decided, I want to give it to Riker instead. And then part of what you see is like the big kind of blow up between you assume between Q and the continuum. It's like, okay, that's not what we wanted you to do. And you fucked it up. Um, And it just made me wonder, it's like, how would this episode been different if he gives Picard the power, not Riker? He knows Picard is going to win, I think. And that's not the goal for Q. Mm. Do you think Picard has the willpower to like resist the Q power? Maybe. I think it's enough of a question that Q doesn't want to take the chance. Mm. He would rather choose what he thinks is a higher likelihood of giving in. Mm-hmm. And he's right. You give Picard the Q power, he's going to take over the whole continuum. He's going to be running the show by like season five. Yeah, it'll be some other letter. We're the Picard continuum now. The Picard continuum. We are the P. We're the P boy. (laughs) We are the P. It's it's a working working title. (laughs) We call ourselves the P. The P. For thou must came call me that. It's all very much the same thing. You're the P. Don't be the P. Don't. How would you be the P? You know, if you just kind of take Q and just kind of just a eh, little clockwise, it's basically a P. No, don't don't be the P. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Like Q gives him the power and Picard's like, excellent. I use my power to go to the heart of the continuum and give one of my amazing speeches and instantly convert you all to my way. Oh, my God. We <laughs> can't risk it. <laughs> I mean, you're kidding, but I think that I think that is Q's. <laughs> Deep down subtext of his fears is that one day Picard-like individuals will evolve to the point of taking over the queue. He's just so cynical. Where the Traveler sees the universe as so beautiful, as we saw in the last episode. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be the last episode in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last time we watched where no one has gone before, so Traveler was definitely in that episode. Yeah, it's like the yin and the yang of omnipotent beings in the universe. You know, we also got Portal in The Last Outpost. Mm-hmm. And in that situation, Riker was the one who had to prove humanity to Portal. So there's been like th- three examples of these kind of power beings, but they're all a little different. Like Q is this kind of like, I'm this omnipotent being. And then Portal is like, I'm this last guardian of this empire. And then the Traveler is this kind of like, I just travel through time and space. It's been interesting to see these different little interpretations gene ronberry loves this idea of like humanity having to prove itself he's just in love with that idea (laughs) just some greater power in the universe yeah the idea of an omnipotent being is it's difficult to grasp yeah um i do think you're right jake i do think though like there's some interesting ideas here and this it's interesting to see some context of why the q might be interested in humanity it's like this like okay like they're not just fucking with him it's like this kind of like you guys seem like you might be coming like it's like like they know something about humanity and they're kind of freaked out by it and that is interesting just to kind of like what you know especially if they exist on some sort of like outside of time yeah it's like oh we know that you guys become something really special and it's like this is just a point in your time where you're not yet and we're just kind of like oh my god (laughs) Um, but the script kind of lets it down. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like, okay, how very silly though. Like it feels very, again, very TOS 1960s Star Trek, the sets, the cosmic being testing the crew of mm-hmm. the enterprise. It's like, we've kind of done this before. That's pr- I feel like the biggest thing holding it back. Yeah. This creature comes in with this power that is unmatched and we have nothing else to do, but to, you know, listen to them and do what they ask of us. Mm-hmm. Feels very original series. And also it just kind of feels like a repeat of the, of encounter at Farpoint without really adding much. Yeah. It just kind of feels like here he is again. 
doing some crazy test, you know, like I feel like they haven't really honed in on like what they can do with him as a character yet, even though he's still a really fun character and John Delancey plays the hell out of that character. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is the, the moral significance of why they keep repeating this story? I mean, is Gene Roddenberry trying to tell people if we continue on this path of goodness, this blueprint that I've laid out in a way that we will eventually become these beings that exist outside of a physical world that are all knowing. Uh, Is that where we're trying to reach for? I think so. Gene Ronberry at this point in his life was very much into a lot of new age spirituality. And so he did have a lot of beliefs about, and we've seen it a few times already. Um, This, yeah, humanity and just in this belief that humanity is just on this path toward some greater beautiful thing. And, you know, humans are inherently like amazing. If only we could see past some of this other stuff and we would achieve this beyond quality. Like at this point in his life, not I think when he created the 60 show, but at this point he very much is a kind of like, he's really into that. Yeah. And he's been thinking about it for how, how long? 30 years. Yeah. Years. Yeah. Um, and it is, especially in this episode, it's, it's flawed in how it's looking at it. It's still interesting just in the sense that like, there's still not really a lot of shows that take that point of view. And just for just the fact that it's trying to take that point of view, even if it's not always working is still interesting that that's what they're trying to get across. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a big idea. And I mean, it's awesome to see it on screen. Cause some of the other, other times I've ever discussed ideas like this have been on like psychedelic drugs or, you know, when I'm having very philosophical debates with my friends. So to see it just laid out in a story that even uh, kids can attach to, I love that. I agree. It doesn't think- always have to hit out of the park. No, and it's not going to. <laughs> not a great title either. Hiding. Cue. Hiding cue. Kind of lazy. Doesn't rhyme with seek or nothing. No. Hiding cue. Still Break- kind of rolls off the tongue a little Breakfast bit. Breakfast with Q. <laughs> I mean, it speaks Q to the to dinner. It speaks to the game nature of it, certainly. Yeah. But some of them feel like a little more, just slightly more clever. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. It's not that clever. Yes. Could maybe a good pun or just like I don't know, something. Let's think about the title just a little bit more. <laughs> Five more minutes, guys. And, and what what else go. you got? I didn't cue. And it's yeah. a green light. <laughs> um. I, also, another thing I learned about this one is that Q was not originally supposed to be in Encounter at Farpoint. Um, and we talked about this a little bit when we watched. Originally, it was like they weren't sure if it was going to be like an hour or 90 minutes. And so, like, DC Fontana wrote it just as the Encounter, like the Farpoint stuff with the jellyfish, and that was it. And then it's like, no, it's gonna, it has to be an hour and a half. So, Gene Roddenberry came in and, like, here's all this Q stuff as, like, the narrative framework. But he was not an original idea to that episode. Like he was supposed to show up originally, like halfway through the season for the first time. But then just because he had to like, we gotta put something in there, I'm gonna take that Q idea and put it into this episode. And as I learned that, I'm like, yeah, this kind of episode feels like almost like they if you had not seen Encounter at Farpoint, they almost could have led with this. Just with a few tweaks to the dialogue, this could have also easily been the first Q episode. Yeah. Um, I, I blended them in my mind a little bit. I'll be honest. Think, yeah, yeah. It very much is this grand test idea. And as the Q episodes start going forward, there's always that element to it, but they get much more nuanced and interesting in terms of how they explore yeah. how the character interacts with the crew. I like it better than encounter at far point because um, it's more, all of the interesting parts of encounter at far point are the Q parts Mm-hmm. And everything else is kind of like we checked out a little bit <laughs> at oh, certain points. Absolutely. And it was a long episode. And but anytime been... Q was on screen, we were engaged. Mm-hmm. Engaged. Engaged. Yeah, that would have been a good one for like the riff tracks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had some good takes in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would even think, I think even John Delancey is better in this episode than he is in the first one. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like they give, because the focus is on him. 
he's not just some in the first episode he feels much more of this kind of monolith this force of nature that's come across the enterprise and they have no idea what this is now though it's like okay this is clearly some guy up to something but now and he now he's trying to really get in this chess game with Picard. It's like, okay, now you've kind of hinted, like you've caught my scent a little bit. Let's see if I can kind of test you just a little bit more. That kind of feels, and so he gets to come alive a little bit more in this one, I think, than in the first one. And a a commitment a thousand percent in his performance. Yeah. Always. Seize my vessel, seize my vessel. <laughs> oh, your species is always suffering and dying. <laughs> he gets a, he gets in some damn like biter lines. Like yeah. fuck oh, yeah. you, dude. He's an asshole. He's pretty cruel. He's relatively cruel in this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't always feel this cruel. But like Wesley dies for a hot second, mm-hmm. and so does Worf. It's like, do they remember that? Do they have PTSD of that? Like. How much does Riker remember of that experience? Like, right. Like, like how much knowledge did he gain of the great beyond before they zapped him back? <laughs> mm. Yeah. All of Wesley's PTSD from being stabbed through the stomach, stab, like, <laughs> seeing himself impaled from behind. Yeah. It's hardcore shit. <laughs> yeah. It's hardcore shit. And Oh yeah. I posed this question. I want to, I want to bring this to the audience. Are those pig creatures still down on the planet trapped in that cage that Riker created? <laughs> yes. Yeah, the simulation's still going, and no one thought to just <laughs> no turn, turn off that off. planetscape with the big creatures, and they're just, now what do we do? They're just trying to figure out how to get out of there and get revenge. <laughs> Why are we wearing these uniforms? <laughs> the stakes are so much higher than you see in the episode. <laughs> the moral implications of every Q episode. Outnormous. Outnormous. Um... Any final thoughts on Hide and Q? If you've never seen this episode, it is worth your time to watch it. I think it's a lot of fun. I I think out of some of the terrible episodes of the first season, this is one of the more watchable, enjoyable ones. And a lot of that boils down to uh, the really great performances and chemistry between John Delancey and Patrick Stewart. They're just excellent every time they exchange lines together if anybody can find Wesley's sweater hmm. uh, send me a link I want it the gray sweater with like the rainbow top rainbow what? shoulders rainbow, rainbow shoulders thing. <laughs> yeah that's freaking awesome it's pretty great look at that sucker uh, oh my god Wesley Crusher yeah I think I agree Jake it's like there's something despite itself there is good stuff in it. Certainly Patrick Stewart and John Delancey certainly are the highlight of the episode. Mm-hmm. And for, even though like they're just doing that Star Trek Shakespeare thing, it's, it's a really good performance from both of them. Like it's a really fun scene. It's worth it just for that scene. I think. Um, yeah, but otherwise like, yeah, it's, it's, it, you know what it does do it. It's, even for how silly that first season of Star Trek, the next generation is there's something behind it. And you even like, I've, you can see, watch what they're trying to do. It's like, you're not there guys, but like, but you are on to, to something like keep pushing, keep, keep pushing, keep working it out. Um, certainly not a total loss and certainly some fun stuff. Wesley's wish is to become a hunk. He wants to be a man. Turned into a hunk. A man. A hunk of love. Hans Bruckner, <laughs> the Olympic silver medalist swim champion. No, no, Captain, I think. Shut up, Wesley. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's Turbot. I mean. Turbo time. And we see East German champion. (laughs) Come on, Captain. We got to get out of here. We got to do it now. (laughs) Where's my mom? (laughs) Q, bring back my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We we have got to make this chat GPT (laughs) hide and Q episode a reality. 100% improved. (laughs) Oh, my God. Uh, Jake, thank you so much for 
coming on the show. Sure, man. Thanks for having me. This yeah. was a blast. It's always a blast. Yeah. Um, right now, yeah, we, we we joked a little earlier that you're you are Chief O'Brien, but it's like now you are our most recurring guest on the show. It's official, folks. Jake the Snake. More episodes than anyone else. Chief. I want some sort of certificate <laughs> in a frame. <laughs> Uh, next time we're going to be introduced to another recurring character. Um, we're going to be watching our first Loxana yes. Troy <laughs> episode. We're going to be watching Haven. Blessed be the wonderful Haven that is Loxana Troy. <laughs> <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Uh, probably one of the more polarizing characters in the show for all you people who don't know who she is. So oh, yeah, I've been on both sides of that coin. Yeah. Loved her and hated her. Luxana Troy, good or bad. Oh, she's great. We may never know. <laughs> she's so good that you just you can't stand her. <laughs> Fucking Troy's mom. <laughs> <laughs> and so buckle up buckaroos. What a treat we have in store next time. Um, and we'll have a new friend to talk about them with us as well. I think we should have a good time. Um, until then, we will um, see you all out there, hopefully not on some desert planet where you're being used in a pond <laughs> to see if humanity is worthy of surviving. Please, hopefully, we won't see you there. Probably not. Probably see you at like Panda Express or the library or something. Yeah. Instead. true test of humanity mm. i have brought you to panda express <laughs> commander Riker. i'll get the three meat treat <laughs> but i want it all to be low main he passed ah, <laughs> he ordered the right thing <laughs> oh yeah until next time we'll see you all at panda express thanks for listening if you'd like to share us your own Star Trek story, you can email us at storiedstartrek at gmail.com, or you can visit our Discord server. You can find us by clicking on the link in the show description.